Blog Talk Radio. to the show. My name is Janice. Good evening. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Janice Tunnell, for today, Sunday, July 14th. We are happy to have costume designer Sakina Brown on the line with us tonight. We're going to keep it kind of short tonight because we have an early, early call, but we just want uh, Sakina to jump on and introduce herself and tell us how she became um, a costume designer. Hello, uh, my name is Sakina Brown. Um, I got my start in the industry um, by interning with Rainforest Films, um, which was founded by Will Packer and Rob Hardy. Um, I did my first feature film with them. I was in Office PA slash Runner, and while doing that job, I really, really wanted to get on the costume trailer. Every time I walked by the trailer, I peeked my head inside, and I wanted to see, like, what it is that they did. Um, So after my first show, I told everyone that I wanted to get into costumes. Um, So people gave my name out, and shortly after, um, I got my first job in costumes working on a music video as uh, a wardrobe assistant. And I worked my way up from there uh, to become a costume designer. But see, isn't that isn't that the key? Just to just to tell people what you want to do, and then that's how it happens. But you have to you have to talk about it. You have to tell people what you want. Exactly. I'm and I when I tell you, I let everyone know. <laughs> anyone who would listen, I would say, "Hey, do you know anyone who's a stylist or who works in costumes?" Like. I just want to get my foot. I need you to just give them my name. Let me get my foot in the door, and I'll take it from there. And surprisingly, I mean, it happened really fast, and I did a good job on the video, and that stylist gave my name to someone else, and then they gave my name to someone else. So it it happened pretty quickly, um, but it took time for me to become a designer. I was in the industry, I think, for seven years maybe or so before I designed my first project. Let's go back a little bit. You said you you interned for Rainforest Films. How did that opportunity come about? I actually, well, I attended Clark Atlanta University, and I majored in mass media arts with a concentration in radio, TV, and film. And one of my friends from college had an internship there, 
and he gave them my name. He's like, you know, you because I was done with college, and I was working as a waitress, and I was like, oh, God, something's got to give. Like, I can't do this for the rest of my life. So he suggested that I try to get an internship there. He gave them my name. They called me in. Um, I worked for free, cleaning out closets, running errands, picking up lunch, you know, doing whatever it is that I had to do. But I just had my foot in the door. And um, I worked in the office for maybe six weeks, and then they offered me a paid position in the office. And then when their next production came up is when I got – I became an office runner slash PA. Nice. Nice. So you are a long ways away from being an office PA. Um, but I, but I do, <laughs> but I do know that. But you guys also use PAs sometimes in your in your department, correct? Yes, we do. We have PAs. Um, their main task daily is to handle and tackle returns, which is a tedious oh. task. Um, it's a lot. They um, they have to keep up with the receipts and find all of the purchases that we've made and make sure everything is returned before the expiration date, you know, before the 30 days is up or the 60 days is up. They need to make those returns happen, get those receipts turned in. So it is, you know, the lowest position in the department, but it's, so important because it affects our budget and you know you got to stay on budget if you want to keep getting called back for jobs so every single role in the department is so important and it's it's like there's no role that is just like oh that's that's whatever every single role is a key position no matter what it is tell us um tell us about the different positions in the costume department and what they're responsible for Okay, so we have the PA who handles the returns. Um, we have the set costumers, which they hand, they're the ones who are on set every day. So they are, I call them, they're, I say that they're on the front line because mm-hmm. if the director makes a call or they yell something on set, they're the first to find out or they can text me and give me a heads up like, hey, they're about to ask for a green leather cape, and they want you to have it on set right now. So just wanted to give you that heads up. <laughs> so they'll, they'll let me know, and then they have, to, um, they have to keep up with the continuity of the costume. So if the actor picks up a purse with their right hand, they have to make sure that they pick it up with that right hand every single take. If the top two buttons are undone, they have to make sure it's like that every single time because, you know, we shoot out of order. So if we shoot that same look 20 days later, they need to be able to refer to the picture that they took, you know, after the first take and make sure that that look remains the same. We have the key costumer on the the key truck costumer. They prep and set all of the costumes they wash the clothes, they get them to the cleaners and make sure we have them back before the costume works again. Um, they help us set up for fittings. So that job is stressful and important. And they're basically the front line with the actors at base camp before they go to set. 
Um, mm-hmm. Then we have the the costume supervisor who handles the budgeting, the mandates. Um, a lot of times they're uniforms. They make sure that those are ordered. Um, very, very important role because if they mess up the budget, then, you know, the, the studios are going to call me and ask me, well, what happened to your budget? Even though I don't do the budget, but they're still, it's going to fall on me and it's going to give me a bad name if the supervisor messes right. up the budget. Um, and then sometimes we have an assistant costume designer, um, which they assist the designer. They help come up with the look. They give notes to the shopper um, and let them know exactly what it is that we're looking for. They help set up for the fittings. They go to set to establish when the costume designer can't because we may be at base camp doing fittings. Um, so they're, they're like my – the assistant costume designer is my right hand and the shopper as well. The shopper, we give them notes. And to go out and shop, like, hey, we need, you know, a size 14 sneaker, and we need it back here in less than an hour. And they got to figure out a way to get that back (laughs) in an hour before it works. How stressful is shopping? Oh, shopping is very stressful. And that's the thing that... I would not know that had I not been a shopper. A lot of designers come in and they haven't done a lot of the roles in their department, so they don't get, Uh you know, what it takes. It could be like the most simple thing that you think, like, oh, it's going to take me uh, no time. I can run out and go grab this. And every time it's something simple, you can never find it. It's out of season, you know, or think if you're shopping, if you're shooting a Christmas movie and you're shooting it in July and you need heavy Christmas, you need sweaters with, you know, candy canes on it or something, you have to know, like, okay, that's out of season, but I can go to costumes, et cetera, and they may have it in stock. But it's always a time crunch for the shoppers. They always have to make it back. We always call with a crazy last-minute request. Um, so it is, it's, it's a stressful job. And then the, the traffic in Atlanta is so bad now. <laughs> That making it right. back in time is like, ah, it's crazy. Right. But, you know, producers and directors always request something at the last minute mm-hmm. that you don't have exactly. to, to turn it mm-hmm. around. And, and somehow, some way, you turn it around. Um, <clears throat> how, I don't know, but... You know, it's. I, I know you imagine. don't know because once you're when you're in the moment, you're just running around, and then it's like at the end of the day, you're like, wait, how do we make that happen? It right. and it happens on every show at every level, from low budget to a big budget. It happens on every show, and it's like, wait a minute, you want me to get what? And you needed when? Um, on a one of the last shows I worked on, uh, we were shooting a huge bar mitzvah scene. And they didn't, no one told me, but they wanted the bar mitzvah to have a theme, a Game of Thrones theme. So they were like, yeah, we want to make it a Game of Thrones theme. So can you get, forgive me, I'm one of the only people who does not watch the show. Um, it was, it's some character. Uh, no, costume. I didn't either. <laughs> it's a very specific costume. And they were like, yeah, we want, um, we want some. We want a couple of the people dressed in those costumes, and I'm like, 
uh, I'm so sorry. Like, they woke me up with this at 6 in the morning. Like, yeah, I just wanted to let you know, but we had to be on set. They had to be on set by, I think, 10, 1030. So I'm just like, okay. I wanted to cuss them out and be like, no, you're crazy. You should have told me this, you know, when we had our production meeting, our costume meeting. Right. Like, that would have been your moment to tell me that. But no, so we make it happen. We get the costumes in. We get four of them, fitted on the the background players, and send pictures for approval. Then they come back and say, "Okay, thanks. Yeah, we may use those." I said, "Excuse me? No, 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 no. That's I said no. (laughs) I was like, somebody's going to wear these costumes and they're going to be on set, and I'm going to stand on set and make sure that they get on camera because do you know what we went through to get these costumes? Yeah, no. We're we're gonna use these. Thank you. Like I'm at the point now where I'm like, no, no, no. We're we're not playing these things. But we went through so much to get these. You guys are going to use these costumes. (laughs) Oh my god. It's a thankless industry. No, thankless. Yes, absolutely. Now, yesterday at the Real Magnolias um, panel discussion, you said something that I just recently heard. We interviewed, I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, Stacey Beverly, another costume designer. She's out of um, LA. Mm-hmm. She, works with, she works with us on um, Step Up. And um, she said something, I think we interviewed her like a couple of weeks ago. She said something that you said yesterday. She talked about the importance of having a, a great tailor. Yeah. Why is that so important? Um, the the tailor uh, is, is, is so important because a lot of times we don't get the budget, you know, that the script calls for. You know, it's a lot of times it's like, oh, she's an executive of a Fortune 500 company. She drives a flashy car. She wears, you know, Cartier and Rolex and all of these designer labels. And meanwhile, you know, we have a budget of maybe $500 for head-to-toe shoes, jewelry, bras, <laughs> shapewear, you know, rent everything, and it's five hundred. Like to the if somebody hears it, they may be like, "Oh, that's a lot." But when you think about it, no, it's absolutely not a lot at all. Um, especially when it calls for a designer look. So mm-hmm. we have to find. You know, there's always a company that does a knockoff version of whoever a big designer is. So we have to find something that has that feel in that similar silhouette. Now the the fabric may be horrible, but on camera, when you see it on TV or on film, you're not going to, you know, the average person's not going to know, like, oh, my gosh, that fabric is so cheap. We know it because, you know, it's our job. So the tailor has to make it fit and look like it was custom made for that character because that's how we show that, you know, this character has money because everything is tailored to fit them. Now, if I give them ill-fitting clothes, you know, it's not going to translate on screen that this character has money. Right. So that tailor, you know, you, you need to have a good one because there's a lot out there. Um, like, for instance, there's some tailors who are not good at menswear. 
and suiting mm-hmm. is, is a whole nother beast, you know, besides, you know, hemming a dress or hemming a pant or something like that. You were talking about tailoring a suit jacket or shirts and putting darts in them that look seamless that people won't look and say, oh, my God, why does the back of their shirt look like that? So, you know, it depends on what type of show you're shooting, like what men want. It was a million suits, a gazillion suits. And my tailor that I use, she's good at suit at menswear, but she was so tired <laughs> of doing suits after that movie. She was like, if I never see another suit again, I will be okay. <laughs> 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 Has there ever been? Because I know you know when you work with A-listers or or you know really famous popular people, it it could be a lot to just have to dress that one person. What is it like when you're dressing when you have a show and you have a couple big names on the show? What is it like trying to dress you know the big names? Um, it's honestly no different than dressing a Z-lister because, uh, to be honest, a lot of times the Z-lister is more difficult to work with than the, um, than the A-lister. So I just make sure that I have a conversation with all of the actors, um, before they come in. So before I do my first fitting, you know, especially if it's an A-lister or someone, Who's been who's a veteran in the game? I like to send them my info board just to show them like the look that I'm going for, so that when they get mm-hmm. to the fitting, there's no surprises and they're not like, um, what is this? I was thinking something totally different. Um, and then in the fitting, I will always ask the actor, "Do you feel okay in this? Are you comfortable? Do you like this? If you hate it, tell me. I won't get offended." we have other things that look better because this was back when I was, uh, was I, I can't remember if I was an assistant designer or a, no, I think I was a set costumer, um, an actor who's very famous. Um, she did not like what she was wearing, but she kept messing up her lines. So everybody was getting annoyed, like, oh, come on, you keep messing up your lines. Then she looked at me on set in front of everyone and was like, I can't remember my lines because my costume is too tight, and it's her fault. And I was like, oh, what? no, you didn't. <laughs> she blamed it on her costume, and ever since then, I was like, oh, I'm not going to get caught up like that ever again. So when we're in that scene, that is your time to tell me that, hey, this is a little too tight or I don't like the way the fabric feels because, you know, I'm not going to get caught out there like that again. Um, and I can read their, their body language, too. Um, you know, if they're looking in the mirror and they're pulling at it or twisting it, I'm, I just tell them, take it off. We'll go to something else because I know that once they get on set, it's going to be an issue. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Is there anything that you could have like anything from the very beginning when you first started your career? Was there any lessons that you've learned that has kind of taken you throughout the years that you that you kind of kept with you and always think back on, um, and it just helps you just to be 
a better designer? Um, for one, and it's something that I actually learned from like Ruth Carter, um, who is, you know, an amazing designer. I look up to her. Um, and she was, you know, I, when I worked with her, I was just like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe I'm working with you. You're a legend. And, you know, you know, I was just asking her for advice and she was, I was like, you're so cool. Like, and you're chill and you're not, because I work with designers who are, they have horrible attitudes. They, like, won't even, I've had designers who wouldn't even let me on the costume trailer because I was, like, you know, working on big days or, or things like that. So, Bruce Carter was like, well, I mean, I'm the worker here. I'm on, I get on my hands and knees and I'm putting shoes on actors. And she was like, why wouldn't I be humble? Like, she was like, you know, this is my job. I love what I do. But at the end of the day, I'm not the talent. I'm behind the camera. And that always stuck with me. You know, I do love what I do, but, I, you know, I'm still the worker bee. I'm, I'm not the, I'm below the line. <laughs> um, I'm not in front of the cameras. So to always remain humble because this can be taken away in the blink of an eye. So I am humble. However, being a female and I think being small and, you know, it's a male dominated industry. I Mm -hmm. have to stick up for myself and I have to put my Mm -hmm. foot down and be stern because if I don't, then people will always try to take advantage of you. And I learned that early on, like, Oh, okay. So if I don't say anything, they're just going to keep going and they're not going to stop. So, you know, I've, I've been known for my mouth. Um, <laughs> it can be kind of lethal sometimes, but you know, if you push me to the edge, then it's it's going to be that because a lot of times these people in this industry they have egos that are out of this world, and you know they mm-hmm. talk to you crazy, and you have to let them know, like you know, I'm not that, I'm not the one, and this is what it's going to be. You're going to respect me, and it will be, I will respect you back. However, we can't move on you know, with you talking to me crazy. It's just, it's not going to work. And we have 30 more days to shoot. <laughs> so right. let's make this, let's make this good for both of us, you know. Right. Well, I guess you took the Ruth Carter question away. So uh, <laughs> by just sharing that, because <laughs> I mean, I was so inspired um, by her and, and her Oscar win. And, you know, I'm very familiar with, her work over the years. So I was going to ask you, you know, how awesome was that, but you pretty much summed it up. Um, Is there anybody else in costume design that you, that you admire their work or that you look up to? Um, I'm, I'm inspired by so many people, you know, so many designers, um, even from smaller shows to bigger shows, there's always something that you can learn. So when I watch, other people's work or other films that I didn't work on or TV, I'm always inspired by it. I'll find little things that I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like, I love the way they put that together. Or I see that they, because I know how it is, um, you know, fighting for your looks as a designer. So sometimes I go watch a show and I'll be like, oh, they must have really fought for those looks because they're pretty cool and they're modern or, you know, so I'm inspired by designers at all levels, not just the Ruth Carters, but even the designers who 
are new to the industry and just, you know, who are up and coming, I'm still inspired by them. Right. Talk a, so, talk a little bit, Sakina, about the um, about brand relationships. Like having, how important is it to have relationships with different designers and different brands? Well, it has changed a lot over the years. Um, back in the beginning of my career, I, I had a lot of relationships with different designers, and um, they would send boxes and boxes of stuff, but that has since changed. Um, and now, I mean, a lot of companies, I guess, have re, revamped their brand, and they don't, they like to give clothes more so, like if you're doing red carpet or things like that, but for film and TV, they don't like to send as much stuff. Um and I'm not sure why that is, um, but it's not like it used to be. And then it's also that we have to keep the clothes. Like, if the actor has worn yeah. the clothes, you know, we have to keep them for for months on end because if there's a reshoot or something, we still need to have that piece. So it's not as easy um, in, in my department to pull clothes or – you know, it's easy to do that if you're in the styling world, but as far as designing, like, film and TV, it's not – you can get pieces sometimes, but you have to be, like, a serious A-lister for some of these designers to even send anything. Um, right. That's something that's been more of a challenge um, as of late. And so I guess that's, that's, a, that's a challenge when it comes to your budget as well. Very much so, yes. Um, because they used to help out so much. Like when I did uh, Stomp the Art 2, which was my the first project I was a costume designer on, I mean, we got cases and cases of stuff, which and we had such a low budget that it really saved us, you know, as far as making like the line jackets and stuff, where I was able to put more money towards that because the regular costumes, you know, I got sent a lot of stuff for the uh, for the actors. So it does affect my budget, and I take that into consideration when I submit my budget um, before we start shooting. Wow. Mm-hmm. What What would be your one dream job? My one dream job. I would love to do. Um, it would be a period piece, but not like the 1800s or anything. Like, I know most people would love to do stuff from that period. Um, I love, like, the 80s, the 70s, the 90s. Um, mm-hmm. I would just love to do a full period show with a budget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from that era, though. I don't want to do it without a budget, you know. Um but anything, you know, that has to do with um, the 70s or the 80s would be so fun to me. I would love it. How do you, you know, like, with because I just thought about this when you're talking about periods. I think about how, like, when you're doing a period project, you start to research and um, you consider the look of that time. How does I mean I know what we do as far as makeup, but what what does a costume designer do to to prepare 
for a period piece? Research, research, research. Um, we, when I did Almost Christmas, we had to cover, I think, from the 1970s to present day. Um, so I had to get, like, wedding gowns and all of that. So I like to be as authentic as possible. Um, so wherever that, like, that family, I think it's from Atlanta. They were from Georgia. And so all of my friends who grew up here and they had photo albums like uh, Diane Ashford, who's a producer in the industry, I asked to get her family photo album. And I was looking through and taking pictures of, you know, what they wore during this era, like in in 93, in 82, in 1970. And I asked anyone I know, like, hey, uh, do you have your parents' wedding gown, picture of your parents' wedding? You know, I... I don't. I stop at nothing. I'm gonna call everybody <laughs> and ask. Like, do you have any of these uh, pictures that can help me? Because I want to make sure that I'm true to the era. Because I hate watching a period show, and I'm like, uh, that's from today. That's in the store right now. I know what store. That's in Urban Outfitters right now. Like, you know, I hate to watch a period show, and it it maybe uh, the characters wearing something that looks like that era, but it's not authentic. But I understand that a lot of times that is because of budget constraints. But, you know, that's I think that's so important what you say because I, I, I often hate that myself. I hate to see a period film that's somebody's interpretation of the period. Like, I don't need to see your interpretation of it. I want to see the true period. And I think that's so important about the research and how you go about the research. And I think that's the best thing to do is to actually, to get actual photos from that time period yeah. and not base it on, you know, a movie that was shot during that time or whatever, just to, you know, base it on actual photos from that time period. Exactly. And then even, like, down to the city that they live in because, you know, yeah. what we wore in Los Angeles in, in the 90s is not the same thing that they wore in Atlanta in the 90s, you know. There were certain right. sneakers, like we wore Nike Cortez in L.A., but here they may have worn Reeboks, you know, and they had slang terms for the Reeboks. So it's just I want to be true to that. Like when people from that city watch it, they're like, I want them to look at the screen, and I want them to go back to that time. Like, oh, yeah, I have those shoes. Right. Or, I have that same jacket. You know, that's what I want right. when people turn on their TVs or watch the movies. Right. Right. And I love it when people I love it when people say those things. You know what I mean? Like they still have those sneakers or they still have those clothes. Right. It's like it makes me feel like, oh okay, I did a good job. <laughs> I can right. breathe now. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Now you were just you were just you were just referencing like you could look and see that they this was current day and it was sold at, you know, urban outfitters. Are you all just that good where you know in your head, like, where you can go to get a certain article of clothing? Yeah, yeah, we have to be because, um, <laughs> and you know, once you're, when you're working, you're always, you're online shopping, you're in the stores, you're in the mall shopping. 
so you know where everything is or you know what designer it is or you know you know it's certain projects that you watch where the character is supposed to be poor or they're struggling and you're looking and you're like but they have one designer shoes like what that doesn't make sense like if the character just got evicted from her house or you know something like that and they're wearing seven or eight hundred dollars sneakers or or pumps or pumps with a red bottom, you're like, um, that doesn't really go with the character. So, um, but yeah, we, we, we know. Well, it's only, it's a small community of us that can look and be like, uh, that's wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> how, um, <clears throat> how critical are you of your work? So when you sit in the theater and watch your oh, God. project, Oh um, I <laughs> I hate to watch my work. I don't like it. So, you know, usually my first time thinking is like if I go to the screening or something and I'm in my seat like cringing, holding my breath, like, oh, that, oh, that, oh, that. Um, <laughs> but, um, I mean, you know, sometimes I'm pleased. Sometimes I'm like, okay, we're not going to do that again or I can improve on this. So, yeah, I am my worst critic for sure. Mm-hmm. Nice. What, what's your thoughts on social media and your career? Do you think, do you think it's necessary um, <laughs> for your career? That, that's so funny because I am – now considered old school or an old head. Um, and <laughs> this is a conversation I always have with, with you know, my friends about, you know, social media because everything is about branding, branding, branding. And I would always argue that I am, I am not, I'm a person. I'm not trying to brand myself. I'm not for sale. Like I would always say that. And they're like, no, but it's just getting yourself out there more. And then my argument would be, but I've been working consistently without mm-hmm. having to always post my work online. Like, that's just not – like, if I were a stylist, I think that would be more important for me. But mm-hmm. the way I get my job is relationship. That is right. more important for me than social media. I just want to post whatever Absolutely. I want to post on social media. Um, but for some people, you know, that this, it, this is what works for me. For other people who are younger or up and coming, you know, social media may be their platform that helps them catapult into the next level. But mm-hmm. I am old school in that way. And I'm like, I don't want to put too much thought into, like, you know, the way my page looks. And if I want to post a vacation picture, I want to post that. Um but, right. you know, I try to post a little more, but I rarely post about work, and I said I would get better at it. But once I'm working, I don't have time. Like, I am running around <laughs> like a chicken with my head cut off <laughs> until, you know, mm-hmm. the last day of principal photography. So yeah. I'm also in that way. And for me, I don't get jobs via social media. I get my work based off of relationships that I have built throughout the years. And people, you know, spreading my name to, or telling people about me um, and, 
my resume, I feel like, speaks for itself. I don't feel like I really need social media to help myself get a job. Now, that may change in the near future, and I'll have to switch things up. But for now, you know, that's not my thing. You know, you know it's, so funny because it's, it's so funny because you, the way you responded to that question is exactly how we respond to that question over and over and over. And I, I don't even know how how much more I can stress building and maintaining relationships throughout your career is so important. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, I don't get, you know, jobs based on social media. I don't even know why some yeah. people even put their social media on their resume. For what? <laughs> and it's like I have yet for someone to slide in my DMs and offer me a feature film or a TV show. Like, that's just right. not how it works because it doesn't happen it's not like how that. it works. So, um, but I think, I do think that, that it's a great platform for if you are a stylist because people always refer to me as a stylist and I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not a stylist. That's completely <laughs> different from a costume designer. Um, so I have to right. explain that to people a lot. But if you're a stylist, you need social media because that's how showrooms will allow you to pull clothing because they want to know that's the first thing they ask you when you go to a showroom, well, what is your social media handle? How many followers do you have? So for that mm-hmm. world, yes, it works. But for this world, no, they, no one is asking me, you know, how many followers I have or, or anything. They want to know like, uh, can you do this with this budget? And, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. professional. Right. You know, a makeup artist, the makeup artist recently was talking about how <clears throat> another um, artist on a TV show was saying, how come you don't post? How come you don't post? And how she shut the whole conversation down was that she said, I don't post my work on social media so that people can like it because people pay to see my work. So I'm like, okay, you're right. She shut it down with that. You're right. Absolutely. When, you go to, when people go to the movie theater, and pay to go see that movie, they go to see your work. Just like you said, your resume speaks for yourself. Why do you have to always post and show your work on social media? Half the time you got to wait a whole year before you can show anything anyway. Right, and that's the thing that I'm like, like, we can't post stuff immediately. Like, we have to wait until it comes out, (laughs) you know. And then by that time, I can say, okay. Yeah, because people are hitting me up all the time, like, oh, where did you get this? outfit from from this scene and I'm like I don't even remember who the designer was and I'm like but anyway it doesn't matter because it's not in the stores anymore like you know we shot that over a year ago so you're not going to find it in the stores but people don't understand that they feel, they think that you shot it right before it came out mm-hmm. right yep <laughs> that's hilarious it's, it's interesting very interesting. Well, yeah, last time to change you. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> and you know, when you talked about the stylist and the and their social media handle, um, I was thinking earlier on when when we were talking about um, having relationships with designers and them no longer sending the clothes like they used to. Um, and I was going to say the reason probably for that is probably well, some of the reason is probably social media because social media has changed everything. And now people yes. do business differently now. You know, a lot of times now they don't want to send makeup 
to the film and television shows, but they want to give it to the influencers, you know, the, mm-hmm. so they can sit on YouTube and do makeup on themselves. So yes. it has changed a lot. So I, I agree with that. I totally think that that's, that's part of the problem. Yeah. But last, last question. Last question. Um, well, next to last question. One, <laughs> are you grooming Joyelle to be a designer? And then two, <laughs> and then two what is your definition of beauty? Um, okay, so one, am I grooming Joyelle to be a designer? No, I am not. However, I do teach her about fabrics um, and about silhouettes and, you know, you know, I'll test her like, you know, hey, what is this dress made of? What is this fabric? Or, you know, what is the, this cut called of this dress? And, um, but no, I'm not grooming her to work in this crazy industry. I don't, I hope she doesn't want to, but um, she can do follow, she go. She can follow her own path, whatever it is that she wants to do. I will support her in it. Um, this, and I'm just hoping it's not this industry because I don't even know why I'm in this industry. I'm like, anyone who works in this industry, you got to be slightly crazy because you keep coming back for more. <laughs> um, and my definition of beauty is being true to yourself and being comfortable in your own skin. Um, because anybody can put on a ton of makeup and designer from head to toe, but I can mm-hmm. still see that you were insecure or, you know, and put 30 bundles of hair of weave in your head, mm-hmm. but I can still see that you're insecure. So that's not beauty to me. That's putting on a mask. So being able to be comfortable in your own skin and being true to yourself and who you are that is beauty to me. It starts on the inside, and then it will show on the outside. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Well, we really do appreciate you, ma'am, for taking time Well, out. thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what's next? what's next on the horizon for you? Um, I am currently working on um, a TV show called Brock Meyer, and I'm mm-hmm. up for a feature after this. So hopefully, I would get it. I can't say what it is, but you know, mm-hmm. hopefully, I get the feature, mm-hmm. and um, we'll go from there. I would like to get a little vacation in, though, at some point. <laughs> hey, yeah, make it happen. Right, make it happen. Make it happen. Right. If you need. If, if you need some Caribbean suggestions, let me know. Oh, uh, will do. <laughs> All right. Do. Thank you, Sakina. <laughs> All right. Thank you, all All right. All okay. right. Have a good have night. Have a good night. All right. So did you have any beauty news you wanted to share quickly before we go off? Just really quickly, just a quick reminder, and we can get more into details. Um, and uh, next week, but just a quick reminder about Cosmoproof uh, North America and Las Vegas coming up uh, July 28th through 30th at the Mandalay Bay uh, Convention Center. Um, this is one of the leading beauty trade shows in the Americas. So Cosmoproof North America and Las Vegas.
Mandalay Bay Convention Center, June, July 28th through 30th. All right. Sounds good. Um, I did have a message, I mean, uh, <clears throat> some news, but I can't, I can't find it. So we will just leave that right there and we'll bring it back next week or we'll also share it um, on the Beauty um, Beauty Talk page on Instagram, and that is beauty underscore talk underscore media. You can follow us there as well. We have all the beauty news going out there. You can also follow us on Twitter at beauty underscore talk, and on Facebook we are beauty talk online. You can follow Denise and, let me say and I this real- on all social I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You can follow you can follow Denise and I on all social media platforms um, by our names at Denise Tunnell. That's D E N I S E T U N N E L L, and then you can follow me um, at Janice Tunnell. And that's J A N I C E T U N N E L L on all social media platforms. I just want to say really quickly. I, I mentioned Cosmoprof, but I I, I um didn't really explain what it is, but if you're a beauty professional and you're interested in, you know, having your own cosmetics line, things like that, um, this trade show is more about um, uh, brands and and packaging um, and, you know, and basically everything that goes into uh, creating your brand. So I didn't want anybody to think this was like a, you know, like a beauty show where you can, you know, where you have makeup and, and, um, you you know can can get beauty services or learn how to do beauty services. This is more about um, um, your brand and creating your brand and, and everything that goes into um, to uh, owning that business. So just wanted to put that out there. This is a different uh, type of show. But again, we can briefly go over that next week in the beauty news. Okay, and I do re- remember what I wanted to share with the beauty news. Um, <clears throat> But first, just a quick reminder that this week we will have the Emmy nominations announced. And uh, so hopefully we'll have that information to share um, on Beauty Talk next Sunday night. But what I wanted to share quickly this Sunday is for those of you who are members of IOTSI Local 798 Makeup Artists and Hairstylists Guild, um, there is a barbering class. For uh, in New York for union members only, and that will be held Saturday, August 10th. Again, that's Saturday, August 10th, a barbering class. Um, it will be, the instructor will be Master Barber Herbert Guy, Barber Class 101, and I'm trying to re- remember, see if it's um, just for makeup artists or if it's for makeup artists and hairstylists. Um, let's see. So hairstylists will cut scalp hair. Okay, so it's for hairstylists and makeup artists. Some of those classes are just sometimes just for one or the other, but this is for both. Hairstylists will cut scalp hair, and then makeup artists will trim beards, but there will be no crossing of craft. So you won't, cannot, if you're a makeup artist, you cannot um, cut hair. And if you're a hairstylist, you cannot do the beards, Okay. So I do know on some film and TV shows, sometimes the barber will do everything just 
so that the makeup artists don't have to worry about doing the beard. Some barbers are used to being in the, the um, barber shop doing everything. But on union shows, those beards that's on the face is supposed to be for the makeup artist. <clears throat> so that's how this class will actually, um, this, this class is actually set up. Again, it's Saturday, August 10th from 10.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. So there will be no lunch break. So they say make sure you bring a snack. So they're going to work straight through from 10.30 to 3.30. And it's at the IASI Local 798 Union Hall, which is located at 70 West 36th Street, Suite 4A. Again, that's 70 West 36th Street, Suite 4A in New York City. Okay, so you have to register to reserve your space. And from what I understand, class will have a limited attendance of only 20 members. Okay, so there's only 20 members who can attend. So you have, um, so they're saying 16 members with a model, four members to audit, which means no model. Okay, so out of those 20, they want 16 of those members attending to have a model and four members to audit, There's, you know, so no model. The first 20 members in good standing will be put on the attendance list. All others will be on a wait list. So we are asking members to cancel with ample notice so we don't have empty space, okay? For a hairstylist, for a fuller learning experience, bring a male model to cut for the afternoon session. If you cannot find one or he canceled, don't worry. You'll see a live demo by, by Barbara Herbert Guy and be able to watch others work on their models. It will be just like watching platform work at trade shows. For makeup artists, if you find a model for beard grooming, you can work on him in the afternoon session. The information taught about clipper cuts will benefit both hair and makeup members. A list of supplies and what time models should arrive will be sent in a separate email to those who sign up for the class. There's a $20 cash fee that goes to the educator. Okay, this, um, this amount is is to supplement what the local pays educators so we can encourage more people to teach and provide more craft classes. So for those of you who are in good standing, uh, you can send an um, email to nyeducation798 at local798.net. Again, that's nyeducation798 at local798.net. Or you can call the New York Education Director, Jennifer Bullock, at 917-609-0312. Again, that's Jennifer Bullock at 917-609-0312. Okay? And that's all I have for news myself. All right. And thank you guys for listening uh, uh, last week, um, and of course the the weeks before then for going back to our archive shows and taking a listen. Um, but we thank you for your continued support, and we thank you guys for listening tonight. And we will be back uh, next week. All right. So with that being said, everyone have a wonderful evening, and have a beautiful and blessed week. Good night, everybody. Good night. <clears throat> 
how would you like to become friends with benefits? I'm sure that got your attention. I'm talking about friendsbeauty.com, now offering a benefits discount program to all of our friends. That's right. Professionals that qualify can save up to 40% and non-professional consumers up to 10% just for setting up a free account online. At Friends Beauty, we offer a huge range of products, including beauty makeup, special FX and theatrical makeup, skin care, wigs and extensions, styling tools, and more with thousands of brands at the best prices. We've been in business since 1940 and pride ourselves on ensuring our friends have the best shopping experience ever. Sign up for our Friends Discount Program and shop with us today at Friends, that's F-R-E-N-D-S, no I, beauty.com friendsbeauty.com. We also offer studio services for production orders at 818-691-1294. That's 818-691-1294. Join our program and become a friend with benefits today.